This week on Inside Motorsport, we catch up with Mark King from King Springs. I hope you'll stay with us. Mark King from King Springs joins us on the line. And Mark, an interesting time for manufacturers of automotive parts in Australia. Your family company, King Springs, has been in that industry for quite some time now. 60th year this year, so we're very proud of that, and, um, and we're still managing growth in the aftermarket, so we're, we're very pleased with all that. When did the company start? And Further the 60th year, my dad started basically as a blacksmith in a small small shed behind his folks' place on the farm, and back in those days it was um, coke or coal forge and, and an anvil and hammer, and, and it was all about just resetting leaf springs for leaf sprung vehicles and um, as the years passed and as vehicles evolved um, a brief history about us is that yeah sure we kept resetting leaf springs but then we progressively grew into manufacturing coil springs for the aftermarket and uh, that's led us to where we are now. I imagine leaf springs though still quite uh, quite often used in heavy vehicles so there still is a market out there for the work you did with the resetting of springs in. Yeah look sure that was a big part of our business 20 and 30 years ago it was all truck springs and um, all predominantly leaf springs but as they evolved they went from being multi-leaf springs to big single leaf parabolics and airbags and it was fairly evident then that the, the future was not going to be good for um, anyone wanting to maintain that that suspension on vehicles so we we saw the the growth in coil springs and that's what we focused in and uh, the good news nowadays is it's not how many trucks we work on anymore it's how many can we load each day so we're quite proud of that fact. And interestingly enough, it's a completely different set of skills from blacksmithing uh, flat steel into a spring to trying to get a coil of a, a metal rod. Well, yeah, look, it's it's a totally different design in in in, in as far as spring and appearance-wise and, you know, in, in physical location in the vehicle where a leaf spring is designed for locating the axle as well as working as a part of a suspension where now a coil spring basically lives on its own and works as a spring only and then relies on all other radius rods and, and control arms and so forth. But um, uh, the the ability of us with the leaf spring is still it's still a, a part of our, our business and, and reality of it is it's still physically the same material and still heat treated the same way. It's formed red hot 920 degrees and, and quenched in oil and tempered back to 450 degrees afterwards. So both coil and leaf are treated the same way. Mm. With the coil springs and the manufacture of that, how long did it take you to be able to develop that technology in-house? We, we started back in early 80s. I'm a, I'm a toolmaker, fitter and turner by trade. And um, we got to the point where we're relying on other aftermarket coil spring manufacturers to supply us with springs to come up with a solution for a problem with vehicles. And unfortunately, every time we ordered a spring in, it was either the wrong spring rate, you know, rate meaning the stiffness, or the wrong ride height. So we, we took it upon ourselves just to build our first little basic humble core rolling machine. And we thought, well, we'll, we'll reverse engineer a, a, the OE coil spring and make a, a, a suitable spring uh, you know, to come up with the customers meet their customers' expectation and um, increase spring rate and uh, and change ride height. So uh, we successfully completed that in 1982 as our first um, workshop 
you know, prototype machine and it serviced our, our growth and started our growth very well. Has the industry progressed where all these coil machines are now CNC controlled and they're accurate within an inch of their lives or should I say a millimetre yeah, of their yeah, lives? Look, <laughs> look, realistically now the CNC is all about speed. I mean, you're still wrapping a, a bit of red-hot steel around the mandrel realistically and, and, and still treating it w with the same same quenching and tempering but what has changed we've we've evolved in material grades and working with one steel for example we've managed to be able to come up with much higher stress materials where we can actually design a spring 20 percent lighter and 20 percent less material and um that giving us 20 percent more travel you know, over the old conventional materials but the cnc part really is all about just speed we're making machines now where an operator can just feed in a part number and and, um, you know, nowadays, as if you can't make a spring every 20 seconds, you've got a problem. Back in 1982, there was probably 200 springs in your catalogue. What's that expanded to in 2016? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah funny you say that. When we started, it was um, it was probably more like 50, you know, just to cover your Aldens and Falcons were all your popular stuff. And back in that era, it was all about lowering vehicles. But, yeah, look, nowadays, our... Our normal baseline catalogue's about 1,800 part numbers, and, and that's just to cover our King Spring brand, which is 50% of our business, and then we have the other 50%, which is all your private brand customers. Hmm. Now, has King Springs ever been a supplier to the automotive industry in Australia? We do, and always have done all the prototyping for future models that are coming, and we have also um, been involved with doing Australian design specs, in other words, for an imported vehicle coming in, which may be earmarked for another year or two down the track, well, they need to do a um, an Australian variant to suit our conditions, so there would be a lot of times where we would be making springs in advance, which is wonderful for us because we have all the, the tooling and everything ready to go for when that model is released into the Australian market. Now, you mentioned lowering before, and certainly through the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s, a lowering of the car was a considerably, you know, desired effect. Nowadays, with manufacturers bringing out sports models and probably the car culture not being as great, is lowered spring still a significant part of your business? Yeah, look, we look at our mix, and we try to to work with it because of the enormity of part numbers you're always trying to readjust your stock holdings and it's quite interesting to see the trend now to go from lowered suspension and starting to obviously go into your more raised applications and the, the big reason for that is your vehicle mix is changing dramatically and the, the average family car now has gone from a Commodore or a Falcon and they're all going into a um, in, in, into the dual cab market which most most families are starting to appreciate the fact they've got a ute, you know, a four-door for the kids, and plus it's an off-road vehicle now that they can go and do a trip to Fraser Island on holiday time. And um, and now, obviously, they can. There's a massive accessory market available for them. So then you start uh, putting um, canopies and dual batteries and winches and bull bars and all the accessories. So then straight away, it's um, obviously it's a perfect um, opportunity to enhance the um, the spring ride height, you know, the the spring and shock, and increase the ride height. A manufacturer builds a car and, and sets it up for what they think is an average working load. When you're looking at your products, are you looking at significantly higher working loads than what, say, the manufacturer was? No, well, look, we only ever work to GVM. Uh, we don't get involved. We'll make springs for people who want to do GVM upgrades, but our recommendation is um, is for the consumer never to exceed the GVM. However, we'll make a spring if they're, they're running the vehicle constantly at 
uh, GVM gross vehicle mass will make a spring to consider back to standard height at a, at, with a constantly loaded a GVM. That's just one example. But like for, any, for another example would be um, a Nissan Patrol, where we would make anywhere from 40 to 48 part numbers for a Nissan Patrol last time I counted, because every every or a vast amount of consumers will have a different purpose for that vehicle being different ride heights and then di different stiffness for um, extreme low, low carrying or they may want the, the exact opposite. They may want it for um, for use on real soft muddy terrain or sand dunes where they, where they need a soft spring rate to stop the vehicle bogging. Australian vehicles no longer going to be manufactured from 2017 and European vehicles being significantly differently uh, built for different terrain. Is that going to mean that you're going to have a, a higher demand on your products with the new imported, fully imported Australian motor vehicle market? Yeah, look, the, the thing to remember is that even though we lose our car manufacturers in Australia, the, the number of consumers and the vehicles sold every year is still going to be the same and still grow. So in saying that, the, the, that amount of vehicles out there, people still have the, have the same perception of wanting to, to individualise their vehicles. So where it may have been a Commodore before, now it's going to be a Nissan Navara. So for us, it's um, it, it's still exactly the same business as usual, but it's just a, just a different make and model. That's all we have time for this week. Mark King will return next week on the show to continue our chat on springs in the Australian aftermarket. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.